Studio Ervo and Bonfire Press present Essence House by Eric J. Cockrell and Chuck Pino. Read by Michael Goodrick. Chapter 15. A Clean Break. July 17, 1944. Evening. As Tim climbed over the thick stone debris that once held him and Alistair Simmons captive, he still couldn't shake how unbelievable this all was. He also couldn't help but think about his friends and family back home. He had no idea if Tristan even survived the attack at Essence Corners. Tim hoisted himself up onto a ledge and reached out his hand. Try to keep any pressure off of that leg. Push off with your good leg and I'll pull you up. You may as well get out of here without me, Tim. I don't think I'm going to get very far in this condition, replied Alistair. Honestly, I don't even know where to go. I need an ally just as much as you do, if either of us is going to survive. Now take my damn hand and get up here, demanded Tim. Alistair took his hand and Tim hoisted him up. He tumbled onto the ground and looked up. The sky was dark. The break in the wall led to the rest of the complex. Now that Alistair was up and looking out over the other side, he could see that they were actually on the side of a mountain. Not the best situation when you're a man with a wounded leg. This is absolutely not going to work. I can't climb down this, Alistair explained. It's not going to be easy, but we're going to figure it out. We need to get going. Look, it's hard to make out, but there is a road down below. If we can shimmy to the side to get out of sight... We can slowly make our way down to it and see where it takes us, Tim rebutted. There are bears and wolves in these mountains, you know, Alistair said as he shuffled across the stone and lowered himself onto a ledge along the structure. Well, there's also a time traveler and a whiny cripple, so God help them, Tim joked as he made his way down. As the pair took small steps along the ledge, Alistair dragging his leg, they could hear commotion from the base. A faint siren could be heard, and beams of light shone all around. Tim was pretty sure they were out of range where they were, but he kept a close eye on them. As they arrived at another ledge, a far enough distance away, Tim stopped. Let's rest here a moment, and then work on our descent. Just what I was hoping to hear, Alistair smiled. Then the smile wiped from his face. Tim, look, if I don't make it, I need you to do something for me. I need you to get back to Sorensen property. In the corner of the building nearest the wine cellar that you arrived in, you'll find a... Tim interrupted. A magic cornerstone? We're both going to make it, and when we do, you're going to tell me how it is you know so much about this essence stuff. Alistair stood up slowly and gave Tim a smile. Race you to the bottom? You got it, friend, he said as he headed to a rough, sloped area in front of them. Alistair went first and stepped down along the cliff's face. On his second step, Alistair lost his footing and screamed in pain as his wounded leg slammed along the rock. Alistair! Tim shouted and began descending faster, sliding and losing his own footing at times. A couple small ledges slowed Alistair's fall, but were not enough to hold him. After a few of those and sliding along the rock, Alistair fell into a tree growing alongside the mountain and was stopped for a moment. The tree gave way, and he grabbed on for dear life as he slid the rest of the way down on his stomach. Tim made his way down and lowered himself to the roadside to assist Alistair. Jesus, man, 
You are either determined to call every Nazi within a mile to our location, or you are seriously looking to die. Can you move? Honestly, I think it looked a lot worse than it was. I feel like hell, but I should be able to stand. I'm probably severely bruised, but this won't keep me down, he said, grabbing Tim's shoulder and standing himself up. Okay, we don't have much time to rest this time. We're going to have to go now and continue in the shadows along this road until we get somewhere. No doubt, they'll send a patrol this way, so we have to stay alert when we see headlights. Here, throw your arm around me and take some weight off that wound. Tim brought his arm down and around Alistair to help him balance as they walked. You're pretty good at this, Tim. What is it that you do in 2020? Or do you think you can say without causing a rock slide? Alistair chuckled. I think it's safe. Not much you can do with that information. I did a variety of jobs. Most recently, I was doing maintenance and managing a property my family owns, Tim replied. Well, no wonder you feel kindred. That was exactly my role with the Sorensons. That's why this cornerstone business fell into my lap. I know the property inside and out and had full access, but I guess I lost some of that advantage, Alistair confided in Tim as he limped down the road. A light peeked around the corner ahead, and Tim pulled Alistair to duck along the rock. A car revealed itself and pulled into view. The vehicle slowly made its way down the road. They're looking for us, and at that speed, they're going to find us. Alistair, how do you feel about setting a trap? Tim suggested. Alistair looked at him funny. Um, hell, an hour ago, I was willing to stay behind, and here I am. So, put me to use, why don't you? Give me to the count of thirty, and then I want you to hobble out to the road and flag them down, Tim said. I trust you know what you're doing, friend. Get going. You're already two counts in. He motioned that Tim leave and raised his voice. Three, four, five... As Tim got further from his partner, the counting got quieter. He made his way to a nook along the rock and ducked low. The vehicle slowly passed, and Tim watched ahead of it. Suddenly, Alistair hobbled onto the road. I give up! I can't get anywhere like this! As Alistair shouted hysterically, the men stepped out of their vehicle and trained their guns on him. The taller man motioned to the other man and spoke German in a peculiar dialect. Search him for weapons! The second, a pale-skinned man by comparison, lowered his weapon and stepped toward Alistair. Put your hands in the air! Alistair glanced to the left and saw some movement in the distance. I have nothing of note on me. Your man at the facility shot me in the leg. My cellmate abandoned me on the rocks above. I'll go with you willingly. Alistair Simmons, you're safe with me, spoke the man standing by the car. Alistair's eyes widened as the man pointed his gun at the figure in front of Alistair. Hand your gun to Mr. Simmons, and I'll consider allowing you your life. The man turned and shouted at his armed colleague, Treacherous scum! Footsteps could be heard behind the car, and Tim appeared. He landed a blow to the back of the taller man's lower back, causing a stream of bullets to spray the air, one grazing his target's shoulder. The other man dropped to the ground and returned fire. His attention turned from Alistair in that moment, and Alistair grabbed a branch laying nearby and slammed it into the man's head, silencing him. Tim wrestled with the tall man by the car, both attempting to reach the gun laying by the front tire. A spray of bullets caught the car door above their heads, and they both froze, 
looking at Alistair. Mr. Simmons, please drop that gun before you get us all killed, shouted the man in English with a heavy Argentinian accent as he released his fingers from Tim's throat. Tim, is it? You don't belong here, sir. Grab that man's clothes. We need to get the hell out of here. We? responded Tim. Eileen Suarez, I'm with the guard, and as you know, time is always of the essence. Now, Alistair, grab that man's uniform and hide the body. I hope you hit him hard enough, he spoke as he dusted himself off and rose to his feet. Well, you're our best bet. I'll go with it, Tim said as he helped Alistair undress the unconscious man and began to drag him to the dark recess nearby. Ouch, shit! blurted Alistair in as controlled an outburst as he could muster. He dropped to the ground and nursed his wound. Tim dropped the man and grabbed the thick tree branch that had broken Alistair's fall earlier and handed it to him. I can move this lug. Use this to help you along and get to the car. I'll be right back. Tim dragged the man around the corner and into the small indentation in the rock. He dropped him there and ran back to the car. So you're not a Nazi then, huh? Tim asked as he climbed in. Afraid not, senor. You disappointed? The man chuckled. In a way, yes. I couldn't wait to get home and tell people that I punched a real-life Nazi. It's kind of a thing in 2020, Tim smiled. The life drained from Island's face. You mean to tell me they win? No, no, Tim chuckles. Sorry, don't get me started. Tim's door slammed and the car sped down the mountain road. As they rounded the first turn, Island grabbed the pile of clothes in the front seat and shoved it into Tim's chest. I need you to put these on until we get into town, just in case we run into anyone from the facility. I'd rather die than put these on. This is not the time for moral dilemmas. Is this how everyone is in the future? Just put them on and play the part. You can burn them later if you want. I just cannot be stopped with someone who looks exactly like a prisoner. I already get enough eyes on me when I'm in this uniform, Island pleaded. Tim tore his shirt off and began putting his arms through the shirt. You couldn't pair up with someone my size at least, he joked. Just suck in your gut and look like an asshole. As we get into town, there's a network of safe houses we'll disappear into. The guard has us covered. July 18th, 1944 it was hard for Tim to tell what time it was as he lay there in bed. After what felt like an eternity of sleeping on cardboard, and the insanity he dealt with at Essence Corners before all that, it was actually nice to be in a proper bed, after having eaten a proper dinner. The room was still dark, and he wasn't sure if he wanted to drop down from his bunk yet and disturb Alistair, so he just lay there. After a prolonged moment, the door swung open and light flooded the room. It was Alistair. Tim, Aelin has asked that I wake you. There's a man here that's going to put together papers for us to leave the country when the mission is over. Tim looked confused. I thought you were still sleeping. I was trying not to wake you, he chuckled. Alistair held up the branch that had saved his life the day before. It hadn't changed much, but it was sized more appropriately and not as rough to the touch. After they took care of my leg last night, I got a little sleep, but... I didn't sleep very well, so I cleaned this thing up to help me along. Alistair placed it back on the ground and shifted his weight. Get cleaned up. We'll be upstairs getting started. Alistair hobbled out of the room and shut the door. 
that guy is something else. Tim again chuckled and hopped off the bed. Tim thought about his family as he got into his clothes. Tristan hung heavy on his mind. How would he break the news that his father was dead? Did Tristan even survive? He had to stop himself there. He had a ways to go before he would be with them again, and he needed to do whatever it took to make that happen. Tim took one last look in the mirror and headed out of the room. The compound they were in was part of a network of tunnels. Island had mentioned that the entire country was riddled with these tunnels, enough so that they could comfortably live as a country of mole men if they so wished. Within minutes, Tim found the rest of the party. Alistair sat at a table with an older man. The sharp, gray goatee on the man's face reminded Tim of a Spanish inquisitor from the television show he'd watched with his father. Nobody expected that, he thought, making an effort to not laugh. His reaction consisted of a slight smirk. Mateo, this is Timothy Edmund. He's actually a guard leader some time from now, and he doesn't really belong here. He's going to need some documents for travel. Mateo smiled. Glad to meet you, sir. Thank you for your service. Likewise, Tim said with a nod. I suppose you won't need an alias, as nobody would know you anyhow. I'll get started on you right away, while Alistair figures out what he'd like to go by. Mateo turned and began pulling some papers from his leather bag. You've been fussing over this for nearly an hour, Alistair. Come with it now. Just pick a name. I like Mateo's suggestion that you two act as brothers. So, Mr. Edmund, what's it going to be? Island pleaded with a string hint of frustration. Tim laughed. Just pick a name, bro. Alistair stood up and tapped his stick on the ground. Fine. I was leaning toward this one in particular anyhow, and I imagine it will grow on me in time. Roland Edmund. At your service. The room began spinning around Tim. He found himself having trouble speaking. Confusion flooded his every sense. A fine name, said Island. Welcome to the team, Roland. Tim sat at the table, silent. How is this possible? He had asked the house to bring him to his grandfather, but it overshot by quite a few years. He'd hoped to gain his grandfather's assistance, but now it turned out he was there to assist his grandfather. His mind drifted to simpler times with him and Tristan and Grandpa Roland. He missed him so much, and here he was, albeit a very different Grandpa Roland. You okay, brother? Roland sat down beside Tim at the table, pulling out a handkerchief and wiping the tear from Tim's cheek. Tim shook his head a little to wake up. Yeah, sure. Sorry. I was just thinking of family and how I miss them so much. We'll get you back home, Tim. Eileen and I are making plans to get back to the Sorensen Manor and grab that cornerstone. After that, we can use it to get you back to where you belong and hide the stone away from all this mess, Roland assured him. Tim nodded in agreement. We will. I guess I know that much. So... What's the plan? Island took a seat at the table across from the two of them and began to explain. July 23rd, 1944. Tim dropped a shovel into the trunk of the car behind the Essence Guard safe house and turned to head back into the building. Island stood at a table inside the door, sorting out a variety of daggers. Whoa, so are we bringing a shit ton of knives to what is likely to be a gunfight? 
Tim asked, with a little concern. We've still got guns, but guns are loud. We've got to rely on stealth, Island replied. They brought an entire construction company when they took the stone in 2020. I don't even get how you think we can do this on foot with hand tools, Tim said in a doubtful tone. We have the benefit of knowing exactly where to dig, and honestly, the cornerstones aren't very heavy or even very hard to handle. We'll get in and out as quickly as possible, hopefully without being noticed. Eilin strapped a knife to his calf and patted Tim on the shoulder. Edmund, you already know this goes well. Why so uptight? I have no idea what effects my presence has here, but it worries me that I've gotten used to the constant tremble of the ground and I haven't had a headache in days, Tim responded. Island smiled. Those are fine concerns. Never change, Timothy Edmund. You are a strong man with a big heart. I can see how you earned your charge with the Essence Guard. All right, let's get this over with while I still have my nerve, Roland stepped in, leaning on his stick. Are you sure I won't hold you guys back? Tim stepped toward Roland. Listen, Roland. The two smiled for different reasons. You will never hold anyone back. You are the strongest, wisest man I know. Through space and time, you've been a mentor, a guide, a leader. You've put me on the right path, and most of all, you've been family. Well, thanks for that, Tim. We've been family for all of five days. I'm glad I could make such an impact, he smiled. If I'm being honest, you've been a real friend to me. One of the best I've ever had the fortune of having, Roland said as he headed to the door. The drive through the countryside was actually enjoyable, despite the anxiety. Mateo smoked a cigar out of the driver's side window, while Island sharpened his blade in the front passenger seat. Tim and Roland sat silently in the back seat, both with their own anxieties. How is everybody so at ease? Tim asked Roland. What do you mean? What if we run into a Nazi blockade or something? We're fugitives, right? Tim explained. More or less, Roland answered. But like I said back in our cellmate days, the Nazis are rather unofficially here. They don't have the authority for that kind of action, and we are rather unofficially fugitives. If you want to worry... Maybe consider that once we get there, given half a chance, Sorensen will shoot us on sight. He was not happy when he found me working with the guard. The car slowed along a field. All right, gentlemen, this is as far as I go. The rest is on foot. I'll circle these roads periodically and look for your return, Mateo explained. Last chance. You sure I won't be a bother? Roland inquired. You're not getting off that easy, bro. Tim said with a smirk. As the two exited the car, Island emptied the trunk and the vehicle took off. Tim and Island each grabbed a couple items and the three headed into the field. So, you really think Mateo's papers will get us onto a ship, Island? Tim asked. He's never failed, but the guard is always working on contingencies. Time continuity situations rarely go 100% to plan. You never know when a man from the future will get thrown into the mix. Island laughed heartily. Yeah, that's a bit puzzling to me. I was actually wondering if you guys had something to do with that one, Tim said as he squinted to make out the building he'd been dragged from nearly a week earlier. No, but when a cornerstone is displaced, as you said yours was, 
There's little telling what the effects could be, Island stopped. And yet, here we are, heading to do that very thing, Tim said with concern. Hey, gentlemen, look, Roland gestured ahead. There sat a pile of dirt next to the building they were approaching, a long black limousine parked alongside it, with a swastika on the side. Island's jaw dropped. They didn't. So, the Nazis have it? Tim asked. We're about to find out, Island said. Remember that trick you pulled on me in the road? You up for that again, Edmund boys? Island smiled. Ah, hell, why not? Roland stood up and began walking across the field, waving his free arm to draw attention. Tim and Island stayed low in the tall grass and ran across the yard away from Roland. So, since I'm still here, we know he survives, right? Tim whispered. Island looked at him funny. What? Okay, so I realized a few days ago that Roland is my grandfather. So, like, if he dies, I'd fade away and none of this would even be happening. Right? Tim tried to explain further. You don't understand much of this at all, do you? Island replied. I wish you told me about that sooner. Hello, shouted Roland across the field. I surrender myself to Der Führer. The three Nazi soldiers at the site picked up their guns and began walking toward Roland. Shit, I was only okay with that plan because I thought he'd be safe no matter what, Tim said with real concern. The essence does not make one invincible, Timothy. Let's go save your grandfather. You go for the cornerstone while I get the drop on those Nazis. Island began running. But I wanted to punch a Nazi, Tim said to himself as he headed toward the hole. Roland dropped his stick and got down to his knees as the three soldiers stood in a semicircle around him, guns drawn and shouting. Tim approached the building and peered down into the hole alongside the structure. A chunk of the building was missing, and the stone was gone. No, 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 this can't be, Tim again spoke to himself. He turned to watch one Nazi walking across the field and place a gun to Roland's forehead. Island was still a ways off. Tim glanced around for something to draw the soldier's attention. Anything at all. His eyes lit up. The cornerstone was on a table, peeking out from under a tarp. Tim grabbed the stone. Overcompensation nearly flung him to the ground as he picked it up. Hey Nazis! If you want this back, you're going to want to step away from Roland! Tim shouted. Tim! Don't! Island shouted from nearby. One of the soldiers turned, and a trail of bullets flung toward Island. His partner turned, spraying bullets at Tim. The man in charge squeezed the trigger on the gun at Roland's temple. Island shouted as he gripped the knife from his thigh and held its jade hilt tightly. No! The path of the bullets could be seen as a ghost stream and nobody appeared to be moving. Sound echoed in an endless loop. Island ducked under the bullet spray, kicked the soldier that shot him in the throat, and lunged at Roland, knocking him to the ground. He turned and kicked the gun from the Nazi in charge, and flung his knife at the gunman targeting Tim. As the blade left his hand, the effects wore off, and time returned to normal. Tim flinched and shielded himself from the incoming bullets with the cornerstone he was holding. 
Bullets struck the side of the stone, and fragments began to crumble off, some flying into the air. And with a burst of energy, everything faded to white. Theme music by Carol Cockrell. 